Hey, video game fans, I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Justin. And this is Memory Card. Well, Push, we're only a few weeks from Halloween. You know, as a kid, I kind of had these conflicting feelings about Halloween because I love dressing up. I loved eating candy. You know, who doesn't at that age? But I really hated scary stuff. I still kind of do. I-, I couldn't watch all the scary movies or read the scary books that everyone else was kind of into at that time. The scariest thing I could watch was like Nightmare Before Christmas, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was even like episodes of like Courage the Cowardly Dog that would scare me. Courage was pretty scary, though. <laughs> it was. There were some episodes that freaked me out. Like some of those effects. Yeah. The Return the Slab ghost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. How, how did you feel about Halloween growing up? I, I liked it. I actually did uh, trick or treating for a long, long time. And I used to try to come up with like the strangest costume that I could. <laughs> So, like, one year I was a um, kleptomaniac cowboy. What does that involve? So, I was, I was dressed up as a cowboy, but I would steal other people's props. <laughs> like, like, for the whole night, you just, and then... Yeah, yeah, I would just, like, hoard it, and then they'd be like, hey, wait, where's my, where's my wand? Or, you know, where's my, um, <laughs> you know, my demon stick? And I'll be like, ha, <laughs> <laughs> I was just uh, picturing a cowboy that just had, like, so many guns. Yeah. Like, like, way too many guns. And like, you know, a bunch of those horses, like horse heads on sticks that you ride around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you live in Japan now. What's Halloween like in Japan? Do, do kids trick or treat there at all? Very rarely. Uh, trick or treating is not really a thing here, but like people do like Halloween. There's a lot of Halloween decorations and um, people have Halloween parties and stuff like that. Is it but, more, um, of, more of like an adult thing, like dress up and go party? Yeah, it feels like that. Like, um, I think there are some like there are some kids who, who do trick or treating and stuff like that, but it's definitely not the majority of kids. Makes sense. I think it's definitely an American thing. Weird American thing. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to dress. Are you going to dress up this year? Are you planning to go as anybody or are you sitting this one out? I don't know yet. Still deciding, you know, uh, only a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll think of something. Do you have a costume that you go to just in case? You know, some years I don't feel like dressing up and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, bust out the gorilla mask, mm. be, you know, business Donkey Kong or something. Yeah, I have a, a Wario hat. Mm. When I was teaching up until th- this past year, I was teaching, I would do different hats for every um, every week. Oh, nice. So like, yeah, I have a, a Pokechu, which is a, a fake Pikachu <laughs> sold in like the Philippines that I, I got from a friend. Mm hmm. And it looks, it's not official at all, and it, it's its slightly off, so I call it Pokachu. <laughs> yeah, you could be Pokachu Wario. Yeah. Put the hat on the hat. Double hats. Yeah. I would just be really, really sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> it's the price you have to pay. Yeah, for fashion. But this year, I'm going to I'm gonna dress up as Jamatar, you know, the, the memory card DJ. Kind of walk around with my Game Boy, just blaring killer beats. Yeah, I'm sure all the kids will know who you are. Uh, of course. He's very famous. Okay, so in honor of Halloween, we are going to be doing some spooky blips today. And if you remember last year, we just did kind of like a really short episode that was about um, the Dracula game that had the Reebok pumps. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It's probably my favorite like weird Halloween-y 
video game history lore. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen to it. I think it's called Pumped Up Kicks. Mm. But today we got four new little bits of gaming history, and Push is going to start us off. Today I will be explaining the scariest part of Pokemon. <laughs> I need to point out to everybody that I did not put a filter on Push's voice. That was all, that was all him. It's all natural, baby. Uh-huh. Well, there's a lot of weird and, and, and spooky Pokemon out there. In fact, Pokemon kind of plays a little bit of a part in my first thing, too. But, but I'm, I'm interested to hear about this. So uh, what, do you have a favorite, like, ghost Pokemon? Uh, I'm a Gengar guy myself, you know, the Gen 1, mm-hmm. you know, the original uh, king of the ghosts there. What about you? I, I definitely liked Gengar and stuff like that when I was younger. But recently, I've, I've kind of gotten into, uh, I think his name is Duskull. Yeah, it's got the mask. Yeah, the skeleton mask. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, as, a, as an edgy kid inside, I would, I would really love that. <laughs> Could get that tattooed on your arm. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, like, people are like, oh, don't mess with him. He'll steal, steal your soul. Speaking of the first generation, the first generation is, like, actually kind of filled with, like, a lot of weird story beats. It feels a lot more drastic than the later generations. Mm-hmm. And one of the most memorable parts of the first generation is um, Lavender Town. Right. Do you remember uh, Lavender Town? Yeah, it's pretty small, right? But it's got that big tower full of, like, Pokemon graves, I think? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, there's a, the, the huge Pokemon tower, which is a graveyard that has a ton of tombstones for dead Pokemon. And it's one of the few times I think um, Game Freak has even acknowledged that Pokemon can just die. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because usually in, in, in the game, they just faint, right? Yeah. Like, you can't really kill your rival's... Uh, pokemon all the way through yeah <laughs> yeah they, they just stop you they just stop you sometimes you wish you yeah. could but you shouldn't yeah so i have to ask because i mean are indoor gravestone cemeteries like a thing in japan um there are uh shrines like a lot of people have shrines in their house i have a shrine for my my cat who passed away hmm I don't think I've ever seen an, like a huge tower full of <laughs> of tombstones, you know, or something like that. A lot of people, uh, a lot of th- people and, and uh, animals, they get cremated. It's kind of unusual to have like a tombs, like an outright, like full on like graveyard. I remember as a kid kind of thinking like, wait, this is a tower full of gravestones. That seems a little odd. Yeah. Maybe it's a Japanese thing, but yeah. yeah it's more shrines. And like uh, in Japan, there's like a family shrine mm. and um, there is like a graveyard like place. And then, like, that's where, you know, families are they're stored together. And the family will go and clean the graves and stuff like that. Right. But anyway, going back to Pokemon, this, uh, the whole town is just really creepy because, like, you start off with this um, story of a Cubone whose mother was, like, killed. Like, the Marowak was killed by Team Rocket. And the ghost is, like, haunting the Pokemon Tower. And you have to kind of, like, provide closure to the spirit. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then, like, also there's, like, a whole conspiracy theory that your uh, rival's uh, Rattate died, and that's why he's, he's actually visiting the tower. Oh, yeah, because he has that Raticate all yeah. the way until that point, and then afterwards he never does, <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and he's, like, kind of, I think some of his dialogue kind of mentions, like, yeah. that he's just laying something to rest. Yeah, so really dark tower, <laughs> really dark part of, of the Pokemon story, and something that a lot of people probably don't think about a lot. Mm-hmm. But looking back, it's like one of those standout moments. Today, I will be actually talking about the Lavender Town Syndrome, which is a creepypasta that originated from 2010. 
Uh, did you ever really get into creepy pastas? I feel like I didn't until kind of like later, you know, after mm-hmm. the fact, just because once again, I feel like if I read anything scary, it like sticks with me and I lay awake at night, you know, worried that yeah. Cubone's mom's ghost is going to come out from under my bed <laughs> and beat me with a bone. <laughs> yeah. So that's not one that I'm like super duper familiar with, although I, I do remember, you know, glancing over it back in the day. Yeah, I think like uh, it was like really a big thing in 2010 i remember like reading a couple like related to hunted uh majora's mask cards or um hunted mario cards stuff like that oh yeah you know they're just like stories uh it's kind of like reddit the no sleep mm-hmm. people just write fun stories and that are supposed to give you a little scare so it's like you know telling a ghost story in, in front of the campfire and then some people make like, like screenshots and take pictures like to prove that they actually you know exist Ooh. yeah Break down the Lavender Town one for me because I, I'm a little hazy. So basically, the creep Vasto describes the apparent suicide of like over 200 Japanese children in 1996 because of the game's music. Like drove them crazy? Yeah, it, it said that it had like really high pitches that could only be heard by kids. And that when kids heard it, they uh, were emotionally affected and eventually, you know, caused just mass suicide. Didn't it also mention that it just like would make kids like sick? Yeah. Sick to the stomach, headaches, and stuff like that, which then would perpetuate into suicide. Wow. Dark. Yeah. But it's it's all false. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> you know, I remember back in the day, there was a, and it's probably still up on YouTube, there was, uh, it was like the Lavender Town music, and it was like original Lavender Town music, and then mm. it like had a really creepy jigglypuff the whole time it was playing, looked like these big staring eyes. Mm-hmm. I bet it's still up if people want to go uh, find it and be creeped out for a while. So just going into a little bit more uh, details, the track was composed by uh, Junichi Masuda, and uh, one of his goals with the with the track was to create an uh, eerie atmosphere using the sharp chiptune sounds. Hmm. Looking into the actual numbers of suicides in Japan for people under 18, there's not really a spike in, in 1996. So they kind of just, the statistics prove that it didn't actually happen. Yeah, and then just like, my personal uh, experience reading the creepypasta, it kind of reminded me of the movie Suicide Club, mm. which if you've never watched, please go watch it. It's one of the best uh, Japanese horror movies of all time. Not Suicide Squad. You sure you don't mean Suicide Squad? <laughs> uh, there's different ways to translate the title. So it's like sometimes it's like called like a Suicide Circle. Sometimes it's called... No, Suicide Squad is that terrible DC movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's that, that, yeah. The one with... Uh, the joker right well yeah the jared leto joker <laughs> yeah yeah don't don't watch that one <laughs> don't watch that i think i watched it on a plane on the way to japan that was a mistake uh, um, I, I would watch it for free but i wouldn't like pay for it so we're we're okay to listen to it right it's it's all right you're, you're okay to listen to it uh show your kids show your babies <laughs> the song get them educated maybe build up their immune system I feel like the rumor was that it was um, like it was initially like only in the Japanese games. And then they were like, oh, my gosh. And we had to like changed it for the later games, you know, and they sent out to the rest of the world. Yeah. Like you wouldn't recall every single game at that point. Yeah. And like I, I looked into like Japanese sources mm-hmm. um, to see if I could find like any articles relating to it. And um, all, all of the articles or videos I, I saw were just like, this is like a thing in America that they think that Japan did, but <laughs> we have no idea where it came from. <laughs> like, it's like mass confusion. Oh, America. Yeah. Done it again. Oh, Lordy. 
All right, well, my first uh, gaming blip is going to be about Junji Ito. If you're not familiar with Mr. Ito, he is known for his Japanese horror manga, like known all over the world. You've probably seen some of his like weird pictures and just not realized it if you don't know who he is. He kind of has these like grotesque, deeply unsettling <laughs> like artwork is the best way I can describe it. Mm. Some of the stories that he's known for are um, Tomia, I think is how it's pronounced, which is a series about a girl who can't die and like everybody keeps seeing her dying and then she like reappears and is like, hey, I'm totally fine. It just kind of drives everybody crazy eventually. When I was looking into this, I actually found that there's a bunch of movies based on that in Japan. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever seen them, but apparently it's like a pretty popular series that they keep coming back to. There's one called Gyo, yeah. G-Y-O, that's about this weird like stench coming out of the ocean, this death stench that makes all the sea creatures want to come on land and just eat people. Um, and if you're wondering, how do they do that? Because they don't have legs. Well, they get metal legs and use those. There's some lovely uh, visuals there of like a shark mm-hmm. walking up on the beach to, to eat people. The one that might be the most famous is The Enigma of Amigara Fault, which is like about this part of a mountain falls away and they're like, oh, look at all these holes in the side of the mountain that look like they're like human shaped. And everybody's like, oh, it's so weird. And people keep <laughs> taking off their clothes and climbing into the holes because it's like their hole they're like it's meant for me and uh i don't want to ruin it but you should definitely look it up because it's very creepy what happens to them once they go inside the uh rock face but the one i'm going to start off with today for the ito showcase is one that's called uzumaki which is like swirl or spiral is that right uh that seems right yeah so it's it's about this town that gets obsessed with like spirals and the power of the spiral and they uh, start doing crazy stuff, like turning themselves into big snails with uh, spiral shells on their back. One guy like folds himself into a spiral within a basket, which seems like it would be hard to do. So they made a movie of that one as well, which I've never seen. But to go along with it, they also came out with two Wonder Swan games back in early uh, 2000. Mm-hmm. And the Wonder Swan, if you don't know what that is, go back and listen to our episode from last season, which is called And I Wonder. I think it's the, the fourth episode about the Wonder Swan. But uh, the first one they released was kind of boring. It was just like a electric version of the manga. Mm-hmm. It was called um, Uzumaki Eerie Electric Novel. And it just kind of broke down the story. I guess it was kind of boring. People didn't like it too much because it was just, you know, basically reading material. Was it just like just the manga like on in a game? Yeah, but I guess it was worse because, you know, you're you're talking about a system that can only this was the original Wonder Swan that only has black and white display. So, yeah, it wasn't great. And I guess they kind of cut it down to fit. So but a month later, that came out in February of 2000. A month later, in March of 2000, there was one that was called the Uzumaki Curse Simulation, which is kind of fun. It kind of reminds me of, you know, like Goat Simulator or something like that. Mm. So you're just in that same town from the manga. And you're trying to make people go crazy. Okay. Um, so you like pick up these items and you like show them to people or place them around town. And it like starts people, they start giving in to the power of the spiral. And I don't know, it's just weird. I guess it's really funny. All of the reviews I found said that it's kind of like not the best game in the world, but it's pretty hilarious just because it's such a weird mm-hmm. thing to do. Like, hey, go around and curse everyone if you can. That's an interesting uh, concept for a game, actually. Mm-hmm. But then the connection to Pokemon that Junji Ito has is in 2004, they did this series called, um, and I'm going to say this wrong, 
Kawapoke. It, how do you say scary in Japanese? Kwai. Kwai, right? Uh, K-O-W-A-I. Yeah, so it's, it's that and Pokemon together. Kwapoke? 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 Kwapoke, okay, yeah. maybe? Kwapoke? <laughs> I don't know. It sounded like a, uh, an evolution of Slowpoke, but I yeah. was wrong about that one. But basically for Halloween, uh, the Pokemon company had him draw some uh, pictures, like really in his art style of some spooky Pokemon. And it was really cool, but he only ever did two of them. It was kind of like, man, I wish he'd done like a whole series. The first one that he did was on a Pokemon that's called Bayonet. And it's a Pokemon that was originally a plush doll and it's been thrown away. And now it's like been embodied by a demon spirit, which is <laughs> Pokemon gets weirdly dark, as we said. And uh, the picture is like a little girl playing with a, a plush doll. And then behind her is standing what is apparently the doll that she threw away which is this freaky uh, ghost Pokemon. So that's one. And then the other one was uh, Gengar, who had his big long tongue wrapped around some lady, shaking her, you know, just, just getting a good taste. They're pretty creepy, but they are pretty cool. So we'll make sure to post them in the save file for this episode. And then the last thing that I have on Mr. Ito, for video games at least, is that he was going to work with Kojima and uh, Del Toro the famous director, mm -hmm. on the next game in the Silent Hill series, which was going to be called Silent Hills, with an S. The one that they released a demo, right? Right, yeah. It was called PT for Playable Teaser or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a whole big thing. Basically, Kojima had a big falling out with Konami. The project fell through. They took away the, the Playable Teaser, and, like, people freaked out because they were like, no, we loved it so much. Yeah. So in 2015 was when it kind of all fell apart. And after the fact, uh, Del Toro was on Twitter saying like, oh, yeah, well, guess what? We had uh, uh, Junji Ito on staff. Like, he was going to help us with it. But it wasn't quite as deep as people thought. I guess they he just went out and did, like, karaoke and drinks with Del Toro. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Del Toro and Norman Reedus uh, was also involved, the same guy from Death Stranding and Kojima. And they were just kind of, like, throwing around ideas for, you know, what would be scary. But that's about it. He said he sat in on one meeting with Konami, and, and that was it. Mm. He also said that he had never played a Silent Hill game and has no idea what the series is about. So they were like, hey, you know spooky stuff? Uh, come on in. Like, we know you're the master of that. It doesn't matter that you have no idea <laughs> about the video game. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah, as you go. And I guess he just doesn't play video games at all. I have a quote here from him that says, I'm worried that if I get into video games, I'll skip out on work, <laughs> which is pretty relatable. That's, uh, that's how I feel about video games, too. Yeah. But uh, he did, Junji Ito actually shows up in Death Stranding. Oh, as, as uh, cameos? Yeah, he's one of the celebrities that got like his body uh, digitally inserted into the game. Um, as an engineer, mm -hmm. if you want to find him, he's in the central region of Death Stranding. You can go find the uh, the scan of legendary Japanese horror artist Junji Ito. And, and that's about it. There is a game that, that came out called World of Horror that's based on his art and like his scary stories that came out for the PC. Mm. In fact, when this episode goes live, it might actually be on the Switch and the PS4. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of like you're investigating creepy occurrences in some town and there's like evil gods who are trying to do things and you're trying to fight against them i don't know it sounds interesting if you're into this kind of stuff i would definitely check out world of horror hey listeners we're putting this episode on pause for a bit to talk about how you can support memory card don't you dare hit that skip ahead button we promise this won't take too long 
If you enjoy the show, the easiest way to support us is by simply spreading the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your followers. Tell that weird guy at 7-Eleven. Hey, listen! If you're less of a social butterfly, you can always leave a positive review. Or you can follow us on Twitter at MemCardShow. You can take your support to the next level by joining our community on Patreon. Memory Card patrons receive perks like early ad-free episodes, shoutouts, and early access to bonus content in our Save Files archive. Every little bit helps, so we hope you'll consider pledging a dollar or two. You can find out more on patreon.com slash memcard. That's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. And now, back to the show. Okay, hit me with your next spooky story. All right, um, let me see. How, how am I going to lead into this? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, it sounds like you saw something really like, whoa. Ooh. The next game that we'll be talking about is Diced, and that's for a, a GameCube. Hmm. I will definitely not do this game justice, so feel free to yell at me on Twitter. <laughs> but it is a GameCube game developed by Enspace and Nintendo and published by Nintendo. And it's kind of like the forgotten horror game of the era because, um, you know, you have Eternal Darkness and that and uh, Resident Evil 4. They came out in the same generation. And they just took all the attention and, and like all the critical fame and everything like that. And Geist was just, you know, left to dry. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I remember as a kid, like being really excited for it. I was really excited for Geist and um, I think it's a Day of Disaster, the Wii game that's like basically an episode of 24. Mm-hmm. And then like, those games came out and like they were just like eh, like everyone just like shrugged. Yeah, but guys have a really long and uh, interesting development history that I want to just like briefly go into. So, uh, Space, they're shut down now, but they're not really a, a really big name developer. They they worked on like some Rugrat titles, uh, other movie tie-ins and stuff like that. Like I think they did um Goldeneye for the Wii. They did uh, a lot of DS and 3DS ports of other games. They even worked on some of the versions for uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance too. Like they're mainly like a a, a small a smaller to mid range company. But when Nintendo like unveiled the Dolphin, they were hoping to get more um, mature titles on the system. Oh right. And you know they're like we you know people think that we're a kids system, but we're not. We're you know we have got to compete with Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah, we got those har- hardcore games. So Nintendo was like going out and like trying to get pitches for games that they would help fund and help develop and one of those games ended up being geist hmm. the the gameplay for geist is is pretty simple like you're a ghost and you can haunt things you go around and you can possess different things or different people and that will give you different control options and it's it's kind of like a exploration game mixed in with some uh first person shooter the geist just means ghost right like poltergeist type of thing yeah it would be one of the first m-raid titles that nintendo would actually lend their name to Huh. Miyamoto even helped out with the game's development, providing uh, advice to the team. I had no idea they were like that involved. Yeah. When it was announced in 2003, it was stated at, at that E3, because Geist was like the, the big reveal for 2003 for Nintendo. It was like the, the major surprise that they had. They were like, oh yeah, it's also going to come out this year. Whoa. It didn't. <laughs> oh no. Ended up coming out in, um, in 2005. Hmm. So two years later. And um, part of the reason is because there was a lot of conflict with N-Space and Nintendo over the direction of the game. Like, N-Space wanted it to be more of a first-person shooter, whereas um, Nintendo, in particular, um, Kensuke Tanabe, wanted the game to be more of a first-person action-adventure game. 
Hmm. When it was finally released, it got really average reviews. Like, it got a lot of, like, 7 out of 10, 70%. A lot of people had issues with the game's weak engine, but felt like the game had a lot of originality in terms of gameplay and story. The game really did suffer from uh, inconsistent frame rate and more animations and AI. Sounds like a game that might do well if someone kind of, like, redid it. Yeah. Put a new engine into it and like same kind of setup, same storyline, but just kind of revamped everything. There was talk of it being ported or reworked for the DS system. I think it was uh, Call of Duty. I forgot which one. Um, but there was one Call of Duty game that Space worked on, and they actually had some files in that game that related to a potential Geist DS version. So possibly unannounced and canceled title. I feel like it wouldn't have gone as well on the DS. Yeah. DS didn't quite have the power to uh, have a good first-person shooter track record. Yeah, and N-Space is kind of like a weak developer. Like, no offense to anyone who worked there, but... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I forget. Did you say, are they still around? No, they, they've shut down. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the basic story is that you're uh, John Ramy, and you're part of a counter-terrorist team. You're sent to escort an undercover agent and a buddy of Rami, uh, Thomas Bryson. And they take a sample of like something that the Volks Corporation was working on, but when they're escaping, a member of the team becomes possessed and kills like the team. So Rami is captured, and then his soul is just removed from his body. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Yeah. The, the CEO of the company, uh, Alexander Volks, he's kind of the game's villain. He tries to brainwash Rami in order to create the, like, the perfect soldier. But then he's rescued by a friendly ghost called Gigi, and um, Gigi teaches Rami how to be a ghost. <laughs> and um, Rami goes out and sets, uh, tries to find his body and save his best friend. Wow, that is not at all what I thought that game was about. Yeah, it's kind of like an interesting story. Yeah, like I remember the box art and I, I remember the announcement, but I, I don't think I thought that it was that. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was like some weird blue ghost. I, I guess I thought the ghosts were the bad guys, you know, mm -hmm. I was so used to uh, to Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, I have, I have a quick game for us and the game is Can You Possess It? So I will be naming some things and um, I want your opinion on if you can if you think you can possess it in the game. In the game Geist? Yeah. Okay. Okay. A bunny. A bunny rabbit. Yes, you can. Yes. All right. A uh, mop bucket. Mop bucket. No. Yes, you can. Okay. You can possess things even without eyes. Okay. And <laughs> you, like with the mop bucket, you can like move the mop back and forth. <laughs> it sounds like the weirdest motivational speech. <laughs> you can possess anything. Doesn't even need to have eyes. Yeah. All right. Hit me with the next one. Trash can. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, cats. Yes. No, there, oh. there are no cats in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Bowl of dog food. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, bathroom mirror. No. Yes, you can. Dang it. In order to actually possess like a human or like an animal, you have to like scare them. And so like when you possess the bathroom mirror, you're trying to scare the scientist who for some reason is taking a shower. And um. <laughs> You have to, like, show her, like, scary things in the, in the mirror. Oh, of course. Makes sense. All right. Last one. Dead guard. Like a guard that's just dead. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the only one that was wrong was cats? <laughs> yeah. I was really trying to play those mind games. Yeah. 
you, you messed me up, man. So my second one is one that's uh, very near and dear to my heart just because, well, you'll understand in a bit because I'll tell you my, my kind of personal connection to this. And um, it starts with King Records, which is a Japanese record company that was founded in 1931. Mm -hmm. And they are actually one of the largest record companies owned by a multinational entity in Japan. And from around 1990 to 2002, they put out 14 albums that were all based on Castlevania music. Mm -hmm. Some pretty cool stuff. So I'm going to break down some of the, some of the releases here, the, the coolest ones, at least in this specific series. In 1992, there was one called Perfect Selection Dracula New Classic, which is classical arrangement of Castlevania songs. And that sounds like this. I feel like studying right now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, on the fancier side. And then uh, in July of 1994, there was Perfect Selection Dracula Battle, which was the pretty much the same songs, but this time it was heavy metal renditions of these mm -hmm. Castlevania tunes. So uh, here, here's what that sounds like. It's not quite as metal as, as some might think when they think of heavy metal, but you know, for Castlevania, it's pretty good. Yeah. But the album that I really want to talk about is actually the one that started it all. The last two were Perfect Selection Dracula New Classic and Perfect Selection Dracula Battle. The one I want to talk about is just called Perfect Selection Dracula. The very first one came out in September of 1991, mm. and this was the rap album, Castlevania rap album. Which is it's just a mind-blowing combination yeah. of things because you don't really think of rap when you think of Castlevania, but after this, you are going to. The arrangements were done by someone Nazo Two Project, and the two's like a little tiny, like to the second power two. So I'm not sure how you pronounce that. And the lyrics were done by Ornell Jones and Joey McCoy. They were the because the rapping on this is in English. Here, just listen to it. Here, listen to this track. have noticed there was that lyric that was simon is coming after you even though his name is simon i guess they just couldn't get the pronunciation right yeah i'm listening to it right now and there's actually a line later on that says better not pout better not cry better not shout i'm telling you why dracula 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 is coming to town <laughs> which is one of my favorites this one should have been in smash <laughs> so apparently that cd is pretty rare because it's so old and kind of obscure and like, you know, not a lot of people I don't think really bought it. But here's the deal. I'm going to go through some of the names of the songs on that album. And you got to tell me if it's a real song on the album or if it's one that I made up. Okay, and there's not there's not too many. I don't I don't know Castlevania music that well. 
Okay, <laughs> perfect. I didn't make any of them like obviously like weird and wacky, so it might, might okay. be kind of hard. All right, the first one is Mad Forest. That one's legit. Yep, that one's real. Mad Forest is real. All right, the second one is King of the Night. No. That's fake. You got it. Full Moon Cycle. That one's also false. <laughs> yeah, it is. Are you look? Are you? Are you no, cheating? no. I, I, you, I, don't, I have a black screen. Like I'm not looking, looking at anything. You're looking these up. I can. No, I'm not. I can tell. All right. Next one is Demon Seed. That one sounds legit. Yeah, that one's real. <laughs> I don't think you would make that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Come on, I'm creative like that and and evil. All right. Uh, last one. Dwelling of Doom. You would say that one's false. Nope, that one's real. Uh, you tripped at the finish line, man. You had it. No, that's that's pretty good. Hey, I think uh, we we both just missed one on our, our yeah. trivia there. So pretty good. So here's here's my little uh, connection to this album. So back in 2018, when I was still thinking of doing Memory Card and putting it together, I wanted to do an episode that was just about this, and it was just going to be me kind of like investigative reporting it mm. because no one could seem to find those two guys, Ornell Jones and Joey McCoy, who had rapped on the album. Like, mm. No one could find them anywhere, and no one had inter- interviewed them. So I was like, I'm going to find these guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reach out, you know, try everything I can. And um, eventually, I found Ornell Jones, and the twist is, that's not his name. Oh. All the wiki sites have it just slightly wrong, because his name is Warnell Jones, with a W. Mm. And uh, he still lives in Tokyo. Hmm. he's like a big like japanese like entertainer i mean kind of like in the background i think maybe he had some like you know bigger hits back in mm-hmm. the day like the late 80s and when i talked to him about it he was like completely like he was like no that wasn't me and i sent him the information like the wiki and stuff he's like oh no wait i did do that <laughs> like he's like i'm old man like you got to understand like i did so yeah. many things that was just like a single gig i don't remember anything about it i was like oh that stinks i was hoping you could tell me some really cool stories about working for konami and rapping about dracula um and i was like well what about joey mccoy and he was like oh uh he's like me and joey are friends on facebook like i'll send you a link to his profile so I reached out to Joey McCoy on the Facebook Messenger or whatever, and he was, like, legitimately freaked out. Like, just kind of mm-hmm. like, I don't understand. Like, why do you care about this at all? Yeah. I was like, dude, it's like, a le- like you're a legend. People love this. Yeah. People on the internet are talking about you. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you know, can I interview you? Can I call you? He lives in Hawaii. Um, so, the, you know, time difference is a little off there because uh, I live in Indiana. Yeah. And uh, so I'd send him a message and it'd be like the next day he sent me one back. And he was just like, you know, once again, like, oh, that was a long time ago. Like, I don't remember much about it. And I was like, well, can I just kind of pick your brain about it? Can I interview you? And he was like, yeah, like, that's fine. Like, let's just find a time that works. And then I would send him, oh, that doesn't really work for me. And then eventually he just stopped responding. <laughs> and I was just like, here's this guy uh-huh. in Hawaii, like enjoying retirement. And some weird guy on the internet reaches out yeah. to him to say, I want to interview you about, this, about these Dracula raps from, uh, from 30 years ago. So I just let it be. I, I wasn't going to keep bothering him. Mm-hmm. But he, he is out there. Uh, Joey, if, if you ever listen to this podcast, which I can almost guarantee you won't, just know that uh, my, my intentions were good. <laughs> yeah we love we love you man and and warnell jones not ornell jones warnell jones so yeah i look for all these rap songs on uh the different like streaming services like amazon music and spotify and apple they're, they're nowhere they're nowhere you have to look them up on youtube which is which kind of stinks mm. yeah maybe we need to start a petition going you know get to get like a hundred thousand signatures 
get perfect sequence dracula <laughs> up on spotify yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because konami has a lot of songs on spotify actually yeah and and this is like the perfect halloween party music because yeah. like it's funky it's like funny and it's got it's like spooky it's it, it's amazing <laughs> I'm awake. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by the talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter at MemCardShow or on our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting MemoryCard on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, including Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Tyler Davis, Courtney Cotton, Harrison, Taylor, Robert Lawler, and Jose Acosta. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. And if you don't feel like donating, that's fine. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help us is to tell people about it. Tell your friends, tell anybody who loves video games, go listen to Memory Card. We'll be back soon with some more gaming history goodness. So be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you enjoy the show. We'll see you soon. Woo! Woo! Spooky! Ah!